Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're with us at Bethlehem Assembly of God. And before I dive into my sermon today, I really want to thank everyone who made our 25th anniversary as a lead pastor such a wonderful, wonderful occasion. I am absolutely blown away by your love, by your generosity, by the gifts that you gave my wife and I. And uh, Lisa and I are forever grateful for the opportunity that we have to be your lead pastor. We love you deeply, and we are so thankful for the opportunity that we have. So thank you, thank you, thank you for putting new wind in my sails and blessing me the way that you have blessed me. This morning, I want to begin our brand new series entitled 40 Days of Prayer. And we're going to talk about the elements of 40 Days of Prayer and what, what God really wants to do in our church through that. But I want to start out with reading James chapter 5, verse 13 to 18. James chapter 5, verse 13 to 18. And if you have your Bibles, if you have a smartphone, look on with me because I believe this is an incredible passage that will teach us about prayer. The Bible says this, anyone among you, verse 13, that is in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are, but he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. And so this morning, the truth is, I am really praying that the next 40 days of prayer will be the most important thing in your life. That prayer itself will become so important in your life that you will take 40 days and turn 40 days into 40 months and you will take 40 months and turn it into 40 years and that prayer will be the most vital component of your life. I'm praying that you will realize the incredible power that there is in prayer. I'm praying that you will experience the closeness and the intimacy of God through prayer in your life. I'm praying that you will understand the awesome privilege that every child of God has to be able to communicate with the God of the universe through prayer. I'm praying that you will be able to unlock the keys of heaven through prayer and experience freedom in your life. I'm praying that you will experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Just like on the day of Pentecost when they gathered together and they prayed and the power of the Holy Spirit came because they were in one accord. They were believing God in prayer. I'm praying for supernatural healing that will happen in your body. 
that you will experience supernatural healing in your mind, that you will experience supernatural healing relationally, and most importantly, that you will experience power in your spirit. I'm praying that prayer will transform your life forever. Why? Because there is nothing more powerful in your life than prayer. There's nothing more dynamic in your life than prayer. There's nothing more influential in your life than prayer. And the truth is, you and I will never, ever be what God wants us to be without prayer, without consistent and constant prayer in our life. That's why Paul the Apostle exhorted us and James exhorted us that we should be the people of prayer. All through the scriptures you find that Jesus, Paul the Apostle, James, Peter, all of those that are in the scriptures encourage us and exhort us to pray. That's why James tells us that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it is effective. And so I want to give you some dynamics of prayer today. The first dynamic of prayer is prayer is actually a privilege. We need to see prayer as a privilege. Did you ever really stop and think about and realize what an honor, what a privilege, what a tremendous blessing it is to simply be able to come to God Almighty in prayer? Charles Spurgeon, an incredible preacher of the word, said, In prayer, we stand where angels bow with veiled faces. There, even there, the cherubim and the seraphim adore before the selfsame throne, which we have the privilege to go to God in prayer. Can you imagine for a moment how privileged we are that the God of the universe, the God that created the heavens and the earth, the God that created you and I is calling us into prayer. That's why David declared in Psalms 8, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth who has set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babes you have ordained strength because of your enemies when I consider the heavens David said when I see the stars when I look at the planets when I understand the universe and beyond what is man that you are mindful of him when I look at the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have all ordained, what is man? Who is Steve Malazzo that you should be uh, even mindful of Steve Malazzo that you would allow us to come into your very presence? What is man that you even think about him? What is man that you would actually reach down from heaven and send your son to die on the cross for us? Who is man that you would reach so down so that you would redeem us so that you can draw us close to you? That's why Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of Man, let us hold fast or firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he is without sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace 
with confidence. Wow, it's not just a throne, but it's a throne of grace. God giving us what we need, when we need it, even though we don't deserve it. And we don't deserve to go into the very presence of God. But because of what Christ did, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness. Pastor Henry spoke on Wednesday night about praying in confidence, praying with faith, praying with boldness. And I want you to know that God wants us to be bold in prayer. He wants us to be confident. He doesn't want us to be proud. He wants us to be humble. But at the same time, we need to all recognize that we can go boldly into the throne room of grace so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Hebrews 4 tells us that we can approach God with faith. We can approach God with great hope, with great assurance. How often do we take for granted that God has given us this incredible privilege? I mean, I've been privileged to meet some incredible people in my lifetime. I've, I've met athletes. I've met people that are officials, governmental officials. I've met people that are over a lot of different churches. And I think to myself, every time that I meet those people, I prepare myself to meet them. I want to look good. I want to make a good impression. I'm just so blessed that somebody would actually invite me into their presence of such stature. And yet God, the God of the universe, the God who created it all, the God who is the president over it all, the God who is a famous, famous God over everything, he invites us to come into his presence. And I think so often we take it for granted. I think we take it for granted every day that God calls us into his great presence. I think if we would recognize how great God is and what God has actually truly done for us by allowing us to come into his presence, we would fall on our knees. We would worship God with passion. We would praise God with excitement. We would love God with all of our heart. And we would come into his presence, not boastfully, not proud. We wouldn't even give him a laundry list of all the things that we want. We would come and say, God, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. But thank you, God, that you have allowed me to come into your presence. Think for a moment what it cost Jesus for us to be able to have this incredible privilege that Jesus became fully man so that we can become fully vulnerable so that we can go fully into the presence of God. Philippians chapter 2 says, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But the Bible says he made himself lower than the angels, taking on the form of a servant. He became obedient even unto death. For what reason? Well, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just like we are tempted, yet without sin. So Jesus, when he became a man, he was tempted just like we are tempted. For what reason? So he could feel our pain and our weakness so that we can go boldly to the throne of grace knowing that Jesus actually understands our weakness. But he didn't just come become a man and sympathize with us, but Jesus died on the cross to reconcile us back to God. It cost Jesus his life. 
It cost Jesus his precious blood. But when he was dying on the cross and he was shedding his blood, he was actually bringing peace with God. He was reconciling us back to God. As Romans 5 says, we have peace with God through what Jesus Christ did. And so he did it all so we could have this incredible privilege, the incredible honor, the incredible joy of coming to God in prayer. Number two, that leads me to the second dynamic of prayer. You see, I'm so convinced that God allows me to come into his very presence that I now want to make prayer a priority in my life. See, the second dynamic of prayer is that you and I must make prayer a priority. Listen to me. If there's one thing that Paul the Apostle admonished every Christian to do is to pray. And he tells us to pray without ceasing. Notice what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and request. With this in mind, be alert, always Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So he tells us that we are to keep praying, always keep praying. Notice the key words, pray on all occasions. Pray when things are awesome. Pray when you're going through a valley. Pray when you're sick. Pray when you're joyful. Isn't that what James says? He said, if anybody's sick, call for the elders of the church and pray over them. If anyone's down, Pray. If anyone's rejoicing, praise the Lord. He says, on all occasions, pray. He says, pray with all kinds of prayer. What does it mean to pray with all kinds of prayer? Well, there's the prayer of supplication. There's the prayer of intercession. There's the prayer of thanksgiving. There's the prayer of praise. He says, and never stop praying. He says, always keep on praying. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. God is calling all of us to be faithful in prayer. I know as a young man, I was mentored by a praying man, and that man showed me how to be faithful in prayer. And I thank God that God has given me the grace and the strength to be faithful in prayer. Number two, we find the priority of prayer leads us to what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Therefore, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or dispute. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? That's what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul the apostle says, pray without ceasing. Well, number one, it means pray habitually. To make prayer a habit in our life. There are certain habits that are really good. Exercising is a great habit. Holding our tongue when we want to say something is a good habit. Prayer is a priority and it should be a habit in our life. The men and women who move the heart of God to move the rulers of this world for him have been men and women who have made prayer a habit. They set aside time, they shut out everything else and everyone else to meet with God. Their appointment with God was more important than anything else in their life. Any other appointment came second to their appointment with God. 
So I want you to know that every day I make an appointment with God to pray. You know, we make an appointment with doctors. We make an appointment with people. We need to make an appointment with God. We need to put it in our calendar. We need to put it in our daily habits to say, I will make an appointment with God. Jesus tells us when you pray, he didn't say if you pray, But Jesus tells us, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you that they already have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus is telling us that we are to make it a habit to pray in our prayer closet. What is a prayer closet? It's a place where you go, where you're you're alone with God. It's a place where you spend time with God. It's a place that you and God communicate. It's the habit of getting alone with God. I love prayer meetings. I love church services. But there's nothing more important than the habit of private prayer. In fact, every man and every woman of God who ever did anything worthy of notice were people of prayer. They were determined to pray. They made prayer time a priority in their life. They relied on prayer. They made prayer a priority in every part of their life. Abraham, he was a praying man. Isaac was a praying man. Jacob wrestled with God in prayer. Noah prayed for his family, prepared an ark for his family through prayer. Daniel prayed three times every day. Even when he was threatened with death, he continued to pray. They said, listen, if you don't stop praying, we're going to throw you in the lion's den. And Daniel said, you could throw me in the lion's den, but I am not going to stop praying. The three Hebrew boys, they prayed to their God. They would not pray to another God. And they said, you could throw us in the fiery furnace, but we're not going to stop praying because prayer is a priority. Moses made prayer a priority as he went outside the camp and he spent time with the Lord. And the Bible says the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. Joshua made it a priority to stay and linger in the presence of the Lord after Moses met with God. David prayed early in the morning and late in the evening. Elijah was a man just like you and I, but the Bible said he was determined to, to seek the face of God. Jesus often withdrew to spend time with the Father. The early church, they were committed to prayer and fasting, and that's what brought Pentecost down. That's what brought revival to the early church, and the early uh, Christians were people of prayer. History is filled with great men and great women of God who made prayer a priority. If you want to be a, a great man of God, a great woman of God, you need to make prayer a priority. Men and women who literally changed the course of history through prayer. In fact, the truth is, every great revival, every great advancement in the course of history was birthed and bathed in prayer because every great man of God, every great woman of God of prayer is a man and a woman that makes prayer a priority in their life. Martin Luther said to be a Christian without prayer 
is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Let me say that again. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. And my friend, you and I will never know God apart from prayer. You and I will never see God apart from prayer. You and I will never experience God apart from prayer. You and I will never experience healing and freedom and power and transformation until we make prayer a priority. And we as a church and we as a country, we will never see our land healed and made whole without prayer. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And I make it a practice. Every time I look at the clock and I see 714, I stop what I do and I pray for my country. You need to make that your practice as well. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. I believe God is waiting for the church to make prayer a priority. Let me say it again. There is nothing you will ever do in your life that is more important than praying. In fact, we must get to the point in our life where we're so desperate, where we're so desperately hopeless and helpless and totally undone without prayer in our life that we will say like David, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that they rise early and go to rest eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives his beloved who sleep well he gives them sleep because they pray long and hard. If you can't sleep at night, get up and pray, and God will put you to sleep because he'll give you the peace that passes all understanding. Prayer without ceasing also means never giving up in prayer. It means we keep on praying till the answer comes. That's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, men and women ought to pray and never faint or give up. In fact, he gives us this illustration of a woman who needed justice, and she went to the judge day after day, and she said to the judge, I need justice. And after a while, the judge says, listen, woman, you're wearing me out by coming back to me. I don't fear God. I certainly don't fear you. I don't even care about you, but I don't want you to show up in my courtroom any longer. I don't want you to bother me, so I'm going to give you what you are asking. Now, God wants us to show up at his courtroom. God wants us to to come to the throne of grace, but he uses this as an illustration. I call it the how much more is of scripture where God says, if this man was evil and he didn't care about this woman and I care so much about you, will I not give you justice when you cry out to me day and night in prayer? The third dynamic of prayer is the provision of prayer. Listen what Philippians chapter four says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. Listen to me. The greatest gift known to mankind is prayer. The most important tool that God has given to mankind is prayer. The greatest asset, the greatest weapon that God has given you is prayer. Listen to me, Christian. God has given you prayer for every situation in your life. God has given you prayer for every circumstance, for every trial in your life, 
for every conflict, for every battle that you will ever face in your life, God has given you prayer. That's why Paul tells us, don't be afraid, don't panic, don't be anxious, don't be worried about what you're going through in your life. Don't worry about the financial situations in your life. Don't worry about the sickness in your body. Don't worry about the trials that you're going through. Don't worry about the battles that you face. Now, you might say that's easy for you to say. You're not going through what I'm going through in my life. But God has given you a weapon against discouragement. He's given you a tool to work through the anxiety of your life. He said, because I have provided you the gift of prayer. I have provided for you the tool and the weapon of prayer. He said, be anxious about nothing, but in every situation, in every circumstance, in every trial, in every battle, in every sickness, and even in every decision that you need to make in your life, I've given you prayer. Listen to me. The reason so many of us are so anxious in life, the reason why so many of us are confused the reason why so many of us are discouraged, the reason why so many of us are fearful is because we're not using the great gift God has given us of prayer. As a child, I grew up in a praying church. I grew up around people that knew how to press in and get their answer from God. I grew up in a generation of people. I watched my mother come to the altar and cry out to God and pour her heart or soul out to God. I watched my grandmother and my grandfather pray and seek the face of God. I have watched great Christians who have gone through incredible trials in their life walk with the joy and the peace of God. Oh, were they always joyful? No. There were times when they were overwhelmed, but they knew how to go into the prayer closet to take the tool, to take the weapon, to take the gift, the, the provision of prayer, and go into the prayer closet anxious and worried and come out filled with peace from God. See, prayer unlocks God's unending power in our life through the, the things that we understand about God through prayer. James chapter 5 says, if anyone is sick or in trouble, let them pray. And that's the problem with so many of us. We get in trouble, we get sick, we have a problem, and instead of going to God, instead of praying it through, we go look for, looking for answers somewhere else. You know, there was a song that says, oh, how often we forfeit the peace that we need in our life, all because we did not go to God in prayer. According to James chapter 5, prayer is made powerful when practiced effectively. So we need to learn how to pray. Prayer is made powerful when done fervently. So we need to get passionate about prayer. Prayer is made powerful when it's done righteously. As James tells us, we need to learn how to obey God because God hears the prayers of the righteous man. Prayer is made powerful when we don't quit in prayer, as Jesus teaches us not to faint in prayer, and prayer is made powerful by adding fasting so that when we see the greater obstacles in our life, Jesus says this will come out with prayer and fasting. Through prayer, Abraham saved Lot and his family. 
Through prayer, Jacob wrestled with the angel of God into, into victory and transformation. Moses parted the Red Sea through prayer. Joshua made the sun stand still. Elijah shut up the heavens for three and a half years and then prayed and the rain came again. Elijah, he prayed and God heard his prayer over and over again as he did great miracles in the name of God. David defeated giants. Jesus healed the sick and raised the dead multiplied bread and fish and the apostles they did the work of God and did miracles because they were praying people the early church changed the world because they went into prayer before they went into the world and my friend God is still looking for someone who believes that prayer is still powerful in their life church it's time to pray again with all of our hearts the next dynamic of prayer is the promise of prayer. The promise of prayer. That God has made us specific promises when we pray. You see, a lot of things don't happen because we don't pray. But he said, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will Turn to them, I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. But it's the if that's the most important word in this whole passage, that people need to pray. He said, again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask for, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. He said, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And so we have the dynamics of prayer. That God has privileged us. That we are privileged to go into the presence of God. That we must make it a priority every single day of our life to pray and seek the face of God. Why? Because God has given us the provision of prayer, that he's provided something so powerful in our life. There is nothing more powerful than prayer in our life. And as a result of that, we must understand that God has given us great and precious promises that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. But we have to tap into those promises through prayer. James says, you don't receive because you don't ask. But church, it's time to get back on our knees. It's time to begin to seek God with all of our hearts. God gave us a promise. He said, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. If you draw near to me in prayer, I will draw near to you. And so we have the precious promises. And in the next 40 days, we're going to give ourselves to prayer. You know, God spoke to my heart several months ago, and he said, call the people to pray and have a, an extended time where you speak about prayer, where you teach about prayer, and where the people practice prayer. Because it's not enough just to preach about it and teach about it, but we've got to practice prayer in our life. We've got to make it a priority. And so for the, the next 40 days, and we're going to start actually today, 
on this day, July 22nd, we're going to start 40 days of prayer. And I need you to get one of these books. Why? Because this is a prayer journal where every day you're going to be able to read a passage of Scripture. And you're going to be able to journal three things. What is God saying to me in this passage? What does this passage mean? And then you're going to pray it back to God, and you're going to write it out. And why should you write it down? Because when God answers your prayer, you're going to be, be able to go back and say, you see, God does keep his promises. I want to encourage you to find a prayer group. If you don't have a prayer group, you can go into the foyer, and somebody in the foyer will help you to so that you can buy a book and get yourself into a prayer group. Now, if you're leading a prayer group, or you're a part of a prayer group, I would encourage you to go to somebody after the service and say, hey, are you a part of a prayer group? Listen, the church should always have this policy that there's a seat available for one more. There's a seat available in your home for one more family, for one more person. So let's open our homes. Let's open our hearts. And if you don't have a group, I want you to know the Bible says, he who is friendly has many friends. Go seek somebody out. Get out of your comfort zone and just go to somebody and say, do you have a group that I can be a part of. But let's all join together in prayer because I believe that God is going to do something powerful in our church through prayer in the next 40 days. God bless you. Let's pray together. Father, I pray right now, God, that prayer would be a privilege, would be a priority, would be a practice in our life so that we would recognize that you have given us the precious promise that we would receive that which we pray according to your will through prayer, Father. So bless us today as a church as we go on this journey together. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.